Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome, everyone. Greg Masters here. It's Thursday, October the 20th, 2011. And if you're like me, you woke up to a blitzkrieg of tweets and otherwise social media announcements about the release of the ACO reg in final form today. Came out and just kabang. At any rate, we are waiting. We are waiting, and in the background, hopefully we're going to hear the, not me, but the uh, radio outbound feed from CMS for this for this press conference. So let's see if we can follow this one. At any rate, uh, it's kind of an ad hoc decision to... Hello, everyone. Back again, trying to coordinate. It was an ad hoc decision to uh, capture this press release live on ACO Watch, a midweek review. We haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks. And today, uh, obviously, the news feed is rich with content. So we're waiting to hear. This is the final rule. Uh, it will deal with the specific provisions of the Accountable Care Act specific to accountable care organizations, or excuse me, the it's been so long since we've talked about it, the Affordable Care Act, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act had a provision in it which expressed the definition of accountable care organizations. We've been operating under an interim final rule since their release in March of this year, March 31st. And now today, October 20th, after an awful lot of stakeholder input across the board, lots of interesting dialogue around accountable cares. Are they dead or on arrival? Is it CMS overreach here? Uh, can they get it right here in terms of the ambitious scope of this reform, putting reform squarely on the shoulders of physicians, hospitals, care delivery providers, if you will, from the entire spectrum? And today we're going to hear about um, that conference call from Dr. Berwick and others from CMS. Now, I've posted on the blog today, acowatch.com, essentially the announcement of the final rule, which is now uploaded to the Office of the Federal Register and published today in full form. You can find that on the blog under the post titled, There Here. And then I followed that up with a pretty comprehensive fact sheet that's been provided by um, HHS slash CMS slash CMMI, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, under the umbrella of healthcare.gov, which is the parent, as as you know, at uh, HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services. So we are waiting for them to come on the line. Do not know how long this conference call will be, but it sounds like we're perhaps getting teed up and ready to go. So hopefully this will kick in. At any rate, I am thinking that it might be time to have a second ACO chat using the Twitter hashtag of pound ACO chat, C-H-A-T. It's a tweet chat for those of you who are not familiar with social media. And that simply means that a hashtag will pool particular conversations, and therefore, if you use a tool like a client service 
such as TweetChat.com or TweetDeck, and you use the hashtag, you can see all the tweets that people are tagging specific to the subject, whether or not you follow them. Otherwise, you wouldn't see them. If you're not following someone on Twitter, you don't see them unless you follow them via a list. But that's a story for another day. So let's stay with this particular theme today, which is Dr. Berwick, others from CMS discussing the ACO final rule. We'll just let the music play. And wouldn't you know it, we are crashing as we speak. Hold on. Time out. Now, basically, Skype just died on me. We had a Skype connection, so this is going to be an interesting juggling act. I have no idea what's happening. Thank you. 
some of the changes that have been noted already, at least that I caught by Justin Barnes. Welcome to the ACO stakeholder call. Thank you for standing by. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the question and answer session, you may press star 1 on your touchtone phone if you would like to ask a question. Today's conference is being recorded. If you have any objections, you may disconnect at this time. Now I'd like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Brian Chaglinski from HHS Eternal External Affairs. Hi, thank you very much, Tria. Um, my name is Brian Chaglinski. I'm with the Department of Health and Human Services External Affairs Office. Um, and I just want to thank you all for joining our call today for stakeholders regarding the final rule on accountable care organizations under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, this call is for background purposes only and is not intended for press. Today we're joined by Dr. Don Berwick, the Administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Jonathan Blum, the Deputy Administrator for CMS and Director of the Centers for Medicare, and Dr. Rick Gilfillan, the Acting Director for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. We'll begin with introductory remarks from Dr. Berwick and then uh, proceed to take questions. Uh, with that now, I'll turn it over to Dr. Berwick. Thank you very much, Brian, and thank you all for joining us on this call. Um, I'm happy to discuss the rules for the accountable care organization that posted on the Federal Register website just this morning. Let me first explore a little bit about what this actually means for healthcare. Um, accountable care organizations uh, can represent a major step forward in transforming Medicare, Medicaid, and the Children's Health Insurance Program so that they can help assure high-quality, seamless, and lower-cost health care through continual improvement. The, uh, what we're doing here is not really just about Medicare, though. The ACOs are a step forward, I think, for the whole healthcare system, uh, the system on which everyone depends. Um, if you want to know what seamless, high-quality care means, ask patients. For patients, great healthcare means uh, time with your doctor so you can get your questions answered and learn more about how to stay healthy. It means care that makes sense, care that's coordinated over time and over place. It means that your doctors are working together in close communication to keep your care organized so you don't get confused or lost or feel forgotten. It means reminders, uh, reminders to take your medicine, uh, to get a checkup, or maybe to remember that it's time for your flu vaccine. It means 100% reliable access if you have an emergency in the middle of the night, and it means a promise that your own doctor will know right away if that happens. It means that when you go home from the hospital, the help doesn't stop. It means that someone's making sure that you have the information and the help that you need to stay home and to get healthy instead of bouncing back into the hospital with a complication that could have been prevented. It means that every single one of the clinicians on your team knows who you are, they know what you want, and they know what you need. And you don't have to repeat the same information over and over again. I can assure you that this kind of care, seamless, reliable, high-quality, patient-centered care, it isn't just what patients want to get. It's the kind of care that every doctor and every nurse wants to give to their patients. And it's the kind of care that all of us expect to help us stay well. That kind of care, that great coordinated care, hasn't always been the kind of care that Medicare rewards. We still largely use the fee-for-service model to pay for pieces of care rather than for episodes of care or journeys through care. And as a result, that's what patients too often get. They get pieces. They get fragments. They don't get journeys. They don't get uh, stories of care that make sense. Uh, an accountable care organization is intended to be a way to organize care, a new way to organize. 
organized, care that's great, coordinated, making sense, care that puts the patient and the family first every time and all the time. In an accountable care organization, providers can be the team that I know that they really want to be. They can work together to take care of you over time and among the places that you get your care. They can keep your health in mind all the time. They can make sure that your health care information is coordinated. And by doing better for you, they can help keep you healthier longer. Uh, I'm pleased to be here with my colleagues Rick Gilfillan from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation and John Blum, who heads Medicare. Uh, together, John and Rick and their teams have shepherded the ACO rule from vision to action. They've been supported by a team of people who work in CMS and HHS across the federal government who reviewed many, many comments and met with clinicians and administrators and patients and families, all of whom have been very eager to share their ideas with us to help shape and support this work to get us what we all want. We all want better health, better care, at a lower cost by making care better. Between uh, March, when the ACO rules were proposed, and today, uh, working together, we have shaped a strong framework for a sound ACO program. John Blum is going to go into more detail about the differences between the proposed rule that appeared in March and today's final rule. But basically, thanks to the generous input from so many Americans, we've been able to fine-tune and improve these rules to better meet the needs of a range of stakeholders, especially of patients and providers of care, no matter where they are right now on this wide spectrum of experience with coordinated patient-centered care. I think that this uh, ACO rule fundamentally is about change. It's about the best possible kind of change. Uh, over decades, American healthcare has created miracles in its potential to help us heal and thrive. But in the delivery of care, the ways in which we make those miracles available to every single one of us, our changes have only been modest changes. We have so much more that we can do to improve the ways that we see patients in our clinics and hospitals, uh, how providers communicate with each other and coordinate and with themselves and with patients, and how we think about caring for communities over time. If we do that, we can assure that absolutely every American gets the very best of care, the best ways we know how to give care. With ACOs, we have a chance to accomplish that, a chance to transform healthcare delivery in ways that better support and encourage physicians and nurses and other health professionals who want to do their very best and who welcome engaged and empowered patients. Uh, to better support the doctors and nurses and pharmacists and others uh, who want to make clinical decisions in full partnership with patients and families and in full cooperation with colleagues to provide a safe and seamless experience. ACOs, as we now conceive them, can do that. They can help achieve the transformation. They can give caregivers the financial support to invest in that change and to keep people healthy and at work and at home where they really want to be. Uh, with that basic introduction, let me turn it over to my colleague, Rick Gilfiller. Thank you, Don, and thanks to all you out there who are joining us on this very exciting day today to talk about the final ACO rule, which John will talk about in more detail, and also to talk about the advanced payment model that we will be testing. And I'd also like to outline for you all the efforts we're working on here at CMS to help bring better health, better care, and lower costs through improvement not just to Medicare beneficiaries, but to all Americans. First, the other announcement for today is the advanced payment model. We heard the concern from some providers, particularly from physician-based and rural healthcare organizations, about their lack of ready access to the capital needed to invest in infrastructure and staff for care coordination. To address that concern, the advanced payment model 
tests whether advancing a portion of future shared savings for these physician-based and rural providers who enter into the Medicare Shared Savings Program will increase their participation in the program and allow them to more quickly improve care for Medicare and uh, beneficiaries. The advanced payment model is designed to support those physician-based and rural ACOs in the Shared Savings Program with upfront infrastructure investments. These providers will receive payments in advance that will be recouped as they achieve savings. We think this program is an important companion to the Medicare Shared Savings Program. It provides another on-ramp for organizations who want to come with us on the journey to achieve the three-part aim of better care, better health, and reduced costs through improvement. The Shared Savings Program, along with the Advanced Payment Program, the recently introduced Pioneer ACO Program, and the Accelerated Development and Learning Systems uh, Program that we have uh, begun here at CMS are all part of a suite of ACO programs that seek to meet providers where they are in terms of their ability to deliver the safe, seamless, coordinated care that Don described. That suite is in turn part of a larger menu of options for improving healthcare that we are excited about being able to provide as opportunities for physicians, hospitals, other healthcare providers to partner together and with CMS as we work together to deliver better care for our patients across the country. Among these other options that we have available is the a partnership for patients under which CMS has dedicated up to $1 billion over three years to test care models to reduce hospital acquiring conditions, improve patient safety, and improve transitions of care for patients who have been hospitalized. The recently announced Bundle Payments for Care Improvement Initiative seeks to improve patient care by fostering improved coordination through four broadly defined patient-centered episode-based care model approaches. The Comprehensive Primary Care Initiative will help primary care practices deliver higher quality, more coordinated, and patient-centered care in a handful of selected markets to really show us what's possible when primary care physicians have all the resources necessary to deliver three-part aim care. The Federally Qualified Health Center Advanced Primary Care Practice Demonstration Program and the Multi-Payer Advanced Primary Care Practice Model are also testing new approaches to more comprehensive uh, primary care uh, models. And finally, the recently announced financial models to support state efforts to integrate care for Medicare and Medicaid enrollees provide for the first time an opportunity for states to come together with providers to deliver an integrated care approach that covers all the needs of individuals who are, both, who are eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid. This menu of options is only beginning as we work together to transform our healthcare system to one that believes and delivers in better health, better care, and reduced costs and improvement. We're excited to begin this journey now, and we're also interested in rolling out additional models as we move forward. So I'd ask everyone to stay tuned for some exciting additional work in the near future. Now I'd like to turn this over to John. Great, thanks Rick, and uh, thanks everybody on the phone. Also from a CMS perspective, we wanna thank everyone on the phone um, that, that Send us a comment letter this year. Uh, the comments were very helpful to CMS to better understand um, the challenges, the realities, the perspectives in order to, to establish ACOs and to improve overall care for the program. Um, I think I want to just kind of highlight uh, some key principles that CMS took when developing 
final rule then save time for questions. And I think from our perspective, we, we wanted to create a much stronger business case for organizations to choose to participate within the ACOs um, and the proposed rules um, uh, had, had in them. Uh, we have uh, stayed true to the principle that we want organizations to, uh, to, to come into the program with different, uh, different tracks. We have a one-sided risk-only track, complete track. Uh, we have the two-sided risk track. We have the pioneer track, really with the principle being that we want to create multiple opportunities for organizations to participate. And the more risk, the more responsibility that organization wants to take on, the greater potential savings. We maintain the principle that those organizations that um, have higher quality scores will have the opportunity to share in greater savings. We have scaled back the number of quality measures in response to the comments and have selected the most important key 33 quality measures um, that we think are, are, are the most important for organizations to focus on uh, during, uh, during this time period. We have uh, changed the rules for governance to provide much more flexible uh, governing structures um, for those who want to participate. We have um, now, now going to allow uh, uh, services uh, provided by federally qualified health clinics, rural health clinics, to, to count for beneficiary assignments uh, to give those organizations opportunities to participate and to sponsor ACOs. Uh, we have uh, put in place uh, more uh, flexible processes to determine which Medicare beneficiaries will be assigned to an ACO organization. We have found uh, better balances um, between the need for organizations to know upfront who their beneficiary population will be and also the uh, current realities we have uh, with uh, beneficiaries changing location, changing care patterns. Uh, we have now in place a, a process we're calling a preliminary prospective assignment really to find the correct balance between giving information, giving knowledge up front to organizations, uh, but not, but still protecting beneficiaries and to uh, not hold um, organizations responsible for care when a beneficiary chooses to, to, to leave that, that, that location. We have maintained our strong commitment, even stronger commitment, to be a resource and to help organizations with data. Um, both the Part A, Part B, and, and the Part D claims information, uh, maintaining patient privacy all the way, but to give much more information, uh, more uh, up-to-date information uh, to help ACO organizations to improve care. We have maintained our strong partnership with the antitrust agencies, with the OIG, to provide the flexibility organizations need to form new new partnerships, new arrangements, um, but still maintaining our principles to uh, protect against antitrust concerns and other concerns. Um, but, but we have maintained our very strong commitment to work very closely with, with the Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, and uh, the uh, the, uh, the OIG. Um, with that, we can stop. Uh, I think from a CMS perspective, we feel very good about the final rules. We feel this is going to be a program that has very strong interest, um, very strong support from the provider and, and the beneficiary communities, and we'll do our best to answer
answer any questions today, but again, CMS will have future opportunities to walk uh, folks through the rules uh, to, to explain, and we really want to make this process as helpful as possible to, uh, to the healthcare provider communities and the beneficiary communities. So we'll stop and open it up for any questions that folks may have. Thank you. At this time, we will begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star 1 on your touchtone phone. Please unmute your phone and record your name clearly when prompted. To withdraw your question, please press star 2. Once again, to ask a question, please press star 1 and record your name. And hi, this is Brian Shiglinski just uh, chiming in again. Because we're fortunate to have so many attendees on the call, we do ask that you limit your questions to one per person. That would be wonderful. Thank you. One moment for our first question. Our first question comes from Robert Logan. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question that has been posed by a number of medical societies. If I am a primary care physician and I am on the staff of two different hospitals, and those hospitals each are involved in their own ACO, uh, and I'm invited by both to participate in their ACOs, can I, as a, a physician, um, participate in uh, those two ACOs, one for one hospital and one for the other, or am I limited just to one? Sure. Um, I'm going to ask um, our uh, program staff to answer your question. Terry, do you want to come to the to the phone? Hi, this is Terry. Um, the way we've set up the assignment algorithm is that we're going to be looking at the um, Medicare enrolled uh, tax IDs that bill Medicare. So the tax IDs that join together to um, create an ACO um, must, and those that bill primary care services must be exclusive to a single Medicare shared savings ACO. This is purely so that we can maintain a unique beneficiary assignment for each ACO. Now as a practitioner that bills through that TIN, whichever TIN you're billing through um, is, is the um, it's the TIN that's the participant in the ACO that has to be exclusive. The providers that fill under it don't necessarily have to be. So to your example, if you're a primary care physician that happens to bill through um, two different hospitals, for example, that happen to be in two different ACOs, um, then you're functioning under the ACO of each of those um, depending on which one, which one you're working in. So yes, it's possible for um, practitioners to be a part of more than one ACO. Great. Thanks, Terry. I'm going to the next question. Okay. Um, and one quick thing before we move on to the next question, callers, if you can be sure to introduce yourself with your first and last name and organization, that would be helpful. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jessica Bai. Your line is open. My name is Jessica Bai. I'm with Applied Policy. Our question is, when do you expect the first beneficiary will get their health care from an ACO formed as a result of this rule? Well, um, we have uh, set out a process uh, for 2012 to provide a very flexible um, start date uh, to ensure that ACOs, uh, potential ACOs have enough time to, um, to uh, digest 
the final rules to uh, make a decision whether or not to participate. Um, applications will start uh, being able to come into CMS starting January 1st. And uh, the first start dates that we'll have uh, will be April 1st and July 1st. Um, we're still um, going to be announcing later this, uh, this fall the uh, final pioneer um, um, ACOs. Uh, for the base share savings program, the first start dates will be April 1st, July 1st. But the ACOs throughout the coming year will continue to come into the program. So this is not just a opportunity that's for 2012 only, but um, but, but each year we'll be able to take applications and to um, bring in new co new cohorts of of uh, ACOs. But for 2012, the first start dates will be April 1st and July 1st. And we have set out a process to make it very flexible for organizations to apply and to choose to participate uh, during the first year of the program. So the bad news here is we have a hard stop. We're going to cut off here. It may record for archiving purposes, but remember, this is being recorded by CMS, HHS. It will be archived for replay if you can trust what you heard on the front end of this broadcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay chat. Stay in touch. ACOWatch.com and cash A-C-O-C-H-A-T-A-C-O -A -A chat. It's Greg Masters signing off. Bye now. Our next question comes from Susan Lau. The line is open. Hi, this is Susan Lau from the Asian American um, ACO in New York City. My question is: Your community health teams that was proposed in the uh, in the proposed rule is that going to be a separate funding announcement? I don't see it in the current final rule. Can you clarify what you're asking about? Yeah, we're not sure. Um, in the proposed rule uh, issued on April 7th, there was a section on community health teams in which um, the uh, secretary was to establish a program to pro provide grants or enter into contracts to establish community-based health teams to support primary care practices um, to coordinate care. So I don't see it in the current uh, final rules, and I'm wondering whether that will be a separate funding announcement. Yeah, I think you may be referring to Section 3026 in the um, Affordable Care Act that established community-based uh, transitions uh, program. And uh, we are in the process of accepting applications now for uh, the community-based uh, organizations and interested in uh, the trans care transitions program. You can find that information on um, the innovation.cms.gov website. Our next question comes from Mike Barrett. Your line is open. Hi, it's Mike Barrett, Public Medical Group, Knoxville, Tennessee. One of the questions related to the beneficiary uh, assignment is the, um, the subset of the primary care physicians within a very large group, whether or not uh, a subset would be allowed to participate, or is it all or nothing for the group? I, mean, I think that I think it's fair to say all or nothing. I think our you know, our process is that we assign position our positions are assigned to an ACO by the ten, and so the entire ten would have to participate.
Our next question comes from Eileen O'Grady. Your line is open. Hi, Eileen O'Grady, Nurse Practitioner with Nurse Practitioner World News. And looking at the language that was um, came out in April, talking about the ACO is determined only on the basis of primary care services provided only by physicians. We wanted to know uh, what the thinking was on expanding that to other types of providers based on where you know, modern nursing is going. Well, I think um, that's a great question. I think um, we have some constraints um, that, are, that, are, that are built within the statute, um, and so we assign uh, beneficiaries based upon primary care physician services. Um, we hear the concern. Uh, we are um, constrained by the statutory construct, um, but, but, the, but for um, uh, primary care, uh, I think that's how we had to finalize the regulations. But I think an important distinction now is that we have a two-step assignment process um, for those beneficiaries who receive primary care services from their cardiologists or, or other specialists. We now have a two-step process where we'll look first at um, primary care services delivered by uh, primary care physicians, um, but then to look at, do, a, do a second step to look at those primary care services being provided by, by, by other specialists. And just one reminder, um, if there are oh, reporters... Sorry, oh, and, and nurse practitioners do count for that second step. Yes, okay, good, thank you. And uh, just one reminder, if there are reporters who are on the call, this call is for background purposes only and not uh, on record. And so I could maybe add to that, John, recognizing um, the increasing, uh, increasingly important role that nurse practitioners play in um, the other physician assistants, et cetera. We have um, in uh, the... Uh, Primary care programs, as well as in the pioneer ACL program, uh, where we were not con we we're not constrained by the very explicit language in the statute, included um, those individuals as part of the uh, assignment process for patient administration. Our next question comes from Christine Olet. Your line is open. Hi, yes, this is Christine Millet calling with the Mount Auburn Cambridge Independent Practice Association. Uh, my question is, uh, with regards to the ACO proposed quality measures, um, are we required to achieve all 33 quality measures in order to obtain the full quality incentive funding? Yes, we, uh, we had, uh, are finalizing 33 measures uh, for um, measuring ACO quality. Uh, those measures include uh, uh, clinical outcome and process measures that will capture through uh, a, a clinical information data collection tool that ACOs will be required to report every year uh, on, as well as uh, outcome measures available from our claims data, as well as uh, patient experience of care measures that are captured uh, from uh, an annual survey. The ACO will be required to uh, report on all of those measures each and every year. Um, however, uh, uh, those measures will be phased in on a performance basis over the three-year period. So the first year of uh, uh, the first uh, performance year, ACOs will satisfy the quality performance standard uh, by virtue of uh, complete and accurate reporting of all those measures. And then uh, those measures will be phased in uh, to a performance basis uh, for the, uh, on a tier basis for the second and third year. But an ACO would have to uh, report those measures uh, each and every year of the agreement. Our next question comes from Ben Jumansky. Your line is open. Thank you. My name is Ben Jumansky with the 
budget for the company. I'm curious if a participant in the National Pilot Project on Payment Bundling would be eligible to also participate in the Shared Savings Program, and if so, how would the discount that's applied to the fee-for-service payments under bundling be considered when calculating expenditures under Shared Savings? Yeah, uh, our expectation is that, that uh, those folks would be uh, eligible to participate in both, um, and we would look at um, adjusting uh, the ultimate spend uh, appropriately to not in effect, give double credit for um, the discounts that could come to the uh, bundling initiative. It's, it's a very technical question that I think probably we'll handle uh, more directly with um, uh, a FAQ, frequently asked questions um, uh, document that will be forthcoming with uh, the bundle payment program. And uh, just, Operator, we will take one more question. And for those of you who are on the line and have not been able to have your question asked, um, please email them to externalaffairs at hhs.gov. Um, so with that, we'll take our last question. Our last question comes from Jacqueline Berry. Your line is open. Yes, my name is Jackie Berry, and I own a durable medical equipment company, and I've worked for home health agencies. and you know, everybody you're trying to keep out of the hospital needs our services. So what's the thinking of excluding us from this? I think, I think first and foremost, um, any Medicare supplier, um, a home health agency, what have you, can can choose to participate within an ACO organization. Um, you know, the issue is what, what counts for assignment purposes for how, for how CMS assigns Medicare beneficiaries to an ACO. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right, is that um, with a model that emphasizes care coordination, with a model that emphasizes uh, making sure beneficiaries get the right time, get the right care at the right time, uh, we're hopeful that uh, ACO participating providers build much stronger networks and processes for post-acute care uh, to keep beneficiaries out of the hospital, to keep them healthy for longer periods of time which to us creates great opportunities uh, for high-value home health and other services. Well, thank you all again for joining the call today. And again, if you did not have a question asked, um, but you'd still like to send it to us, please send it via email to externalaffairs at hhs.gov and a recording of the call will be available by dialing 800-489-7581. And no passcode is necessary. Thank you all again for joining us on this call, and have a great day. Thank you very much. This does conclude today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may disconnect at this time. Well, there you have it. Pretty good show. Pretty good explanation. There are a lot of skeptics out there about CMS, whether they can ever get anything right. I've had a few people on the program talk about their particular bias and bent in that, in that, in that uh, domain or that vein. But let's face it, it is a healthcare conundrum in which we operate, whether we're providing or consuming services. And uh, party's over. The incentives now are going to go back to the mid-70s when the HMO Act enabled community-based, mission-oriented, patient-centered health maintenance organizations 
Now we're calling it accountable care. The integration movement, based on how you're measuring it, um, is a good news, bad news situation. We'll talk more about that on a separate program. But here we are. We're at 17 plus percent of GDP, unprecedented amount of money spent on health care with variable, unpredictable, and shall we say non-uniform outcomes in, in many respects across the horizon of medicine. So we've got to do something. And whether the devil in the details on this specific provision or that specific provision rub you the wrong way, the bottom line is there's no excuse. Patient centricity, patient engagement, shared governance, interdisciplinary, integrated practice is how we're going to work our way out of the conundrum, and uh, let's get on with it. So hope you got something out of the conference call. Hopefully we didn't cross any boundaries here with respect to press and and so-called background, but bottom line is this is in the public domain. So thanks again. Check the blog out, acowatch.com, and follow us at on uh, the ACO Watch Midweek Review. Greg Mister signing off. Bye now. <laughs>